It is not only going to affect your witness, it's going to affect how you see scripture and can even impact how you raise your kids. Welcome to the Mama Bear Apologetics Podcast. A podcast where we teach you to roar like a mother. And by roar, we mean recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and reinforce these ideas with your kids. Unless you want to growl around your house. I mean, that's cool too. <laughs> You're like, check it. We keep it reals. <laughs> that's so bad. You're awesome. Mama Bear Apologetics is a listener-supported program, so if you like what we do, head on over to the Mama Bear Apologetics website and click support. It's time to rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another Mama Bear Apologetics podcast, a podcast dedicated to help you raise up the next generation to be warriors in the faith. I can ask for grace today. I've been getting over a cold, so if I sound a little scratchy, that's what's going on. But we have an amazing podcast for you. With me today is Alexa Kramer, who is a fellow Mama Bear. Alexa, tell everybody hi. Hey, hey. thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, we love having you. And we're so excited because this topic today is so relevant to all of our listeners out there. Now, Mama Bear is known for doing podcasts geared toward helping you know not only scripture, theology, philosophy, but cultural attacks on your kiddos. But this one, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Alexa, this one is more geared toward the moms and grandmamas out there because this topic is hitting you head on. And the reason we want to talk about it is because it is not only going to affect your witness. It's going to affect how you see scripture and can even impact how you raise your kids. So today, Alexa and I are going to be going over the Enneagram. So Alexa, why is this topic so important for parents and grandparents to be aware of today? Yeah. Um, even for people that have not gotten into it, people need to be aware of um, the tactics that the Enneagram uses. Um, it's manipulative and uh, there's a worldview behind it. And so yeah. we at Mama Bear are really um, passionate about worldview and um, having our worldview based on truth and on God's word. And the Enneagram kind of flies in the face of, like I, I'm kind of making a strong statement right here at the beginning, <laughs> um, but uh, it's very subtle. And you might not realize it, especially if you think that uh, it's not really a big deal. It's just a lighthearted personality test. Um, but it really has kind of infiltrated into, uh, into the church in some ways and certain circles affected a lot of Christians um, and how they view truth and how they view sin. Um, and so I think that this is actually a, a significant issue that we should be unpacking. Yeah. So that's what, what threw me initially. Cause I, I mean, I've taken an Enneagram test before and it's funny. It seems like every time I take it, I sort of bounce between numbers. And so mm -hmm. I've done the Enneagram test before. And so to me, it seemed like, okay, this is just another run of the mill personality test kind of, you know, I'm like, ah, you know, I don't know exactly how accurate are this is, you know, some of the questions are so broad that, you know, depending on how many cups of coffee I've had this morning will change how I so answer true. this. 
I know, right? So how how is this different? Because I mean, we've got Meyer Briggs uh, out there. You know, how is this Enneagram different from regular personality tests? So a lot of people present it as a personality test, or they think of it that way, but it's not even really, that's not even what it is. So it's actually claiming to enlighten you. It's actually a spiritual tool inherently. Um, it's, it's claiming to enlighten you to who your true self is by mm. identifying who your false self, self is. Um, so the personality traits help you kind of identify where your, your false sense of self is. So you're not, it's not really the same as other tests like the Myers-Briggs and Big Five. Um, it really is a, supposed to be this spiritual tool. Fascinating. Okay, so the big question that most people have is, does it actually work? Kind of depends on how you define work, because Doesn't a lot of people will say that it, it definitely works. It, it, they'll, they feel like they've benefited from it. They feel like it pegs who they are and, and mm. makes so much sense and enlightens them to all these things about themselves or about the people around them. Um, but if we're talking about, does the Enneagram actually lead you to objective an objective truth about yourself or about the world. Um, not, not inherently, I would say it, it can bring up some true things about yourself. It can, but it's not the tool itself that's doing it, which we can, we can kind of un unpack that. But there are, um, there are reasons why a lot of people feel like it works. Part of the reason is because it's using like manipulative techniques yeah. What, so what are some of those techniques? Because I know when I, when I took the test, I, so I was bouncing between a five and a nine. So five is more of the intellectual researcher type. The nine is more of a peacemaker personality. And I did when I took it, I'm like, oh yeah, I do love research. I, I do struggle sometimes with um, empathizing with other people's emotions. I would rather find you someone who is good to cry with you than uh, that sort of thing. So it was one of those to where I was like, oh, I can see how I line up to these. And mm -hmm. so what are some of the manipulative tactics that they use to kind of lure people in to think that, oh, wow, this is true. I'm actually discovering all these new insights about myself and I need to dive in further to really achieve this sort of enlightened, empowered state. Mm -hmm. um, so the first one is there's a concept called outs. Um, and this is used by a lot, sometimes like magicians will use this, um, really? but also psychics and like fortune tellers, like anybody that's trying to deceive someone, whether that's for mm -hmm. entertainment or to just to deceive them, to gain something from them. Um, and so if you look at the Enneagram for anybody that's not familiar with it, it's a nine pointed um, diagram and each point is assigned a number with a list of traits associated with it. Now, when you, you discover your number, uh, you, you're that number, your entire life, but the Enneagram becomes like a map. And so you're actually supposed to bounce around the Enneagram a little bit. So you have your main number, but you also have wing numbers. So the two numbers on either side of your number, um, you can take traits from those numbers, but you also have a different, completely different number that you go to when you're in a time of stress and you have a completely different number that you go to when you're in a time of health or growth. So what I am trying to say is that this uh, th there are outs all over 
the Enneagram, which means they're kind of like escape routes. It's like, oh, you know, I'm not feeling um, that empathetic today. I'm feeling a little selfish or whatever. And then you're going to find yourself on a a different number. The outs is like always having an escape route. Like you make a statement, you're saying this, this is the true thing about you. And then somebody says, well, um, they'll have an opposition to it. And then you say, oh, well, that's just because, and then you have a Mm -hmm. reason for it. Oh, so you can be like, oh, well, that's just because I'm, I'm being a total eight right now. Is is that kind of like how that's working? Oh my gosh. Like, or I'm like drawing from, I'm drawing from my eight. Like that. Gotcha. So you draw from your different numbers and the teachers and influencers are going to use different phrases and terms, but they kind of mean, they all mean the same thing. You know, I could see that kind of being an excuse for maybe bad behavior as well. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm t- having a total seven moments. And oh, then, yeah. okay, well, or even, can that even affect, um, I, I, I'm thinking of like friendships and relationships, because I mean, you see that a lot with horoscopes is like, oh, a Leo could never be with a Taurus or whatever. And I could see even this shaping friendships like, oh, wait, you're, you're a four and I'm a two. And so that would never work out. And so regardless of, you know, how God's leading or whatever, I'm not going to engage in that relationship in any way because there's no way we could ever be compatible. Yes, that can happen. I think um, most of the teachers would say not to use it that way. Okay. But it's kind of the natural um, result of using it. So what are these rainbow ruse statements? Yes. So this is another tactic. This is a, this is a actual title of a tactic that is used in um, when people are purposely deceiving others. Um, So a rainbow ruse statement is uh, a statement that covers, um, it takes two opposing traits and then covers all possibilities in between. So I'll give you an example. Um, I have two examples. Uh, You can be a very considerate person, quick to help someone out. But if you're honest with yourself, you've got a bit of a selfish streak in you as well. There's nobody that can't relate to that unless yeah. you're like a total narcissist. Like, yeah, no I'm sitting there and I'm like, wait a second, yes. <laughs> right, because it's covering a selfish person all the way to consider it and everything in between that could apply to anyone. Another yeah. example is, I would say that you are mostly shy and quiet, but when the mood strikes you, you can easily become the center of attention. That's, that's anybody. <laughs> yes, yes, wow. so exactly. So these kinds of statements are all all over. And if you look at the, the traits of the different numbers, um, like your wing numbers often have the opposite trait of your main number. Oh. Uh, and so it kind of covers all everything in between that. Um, so it's just a way that it makes it feel very insightful. But yeah. it's you're the one that's putting all the meaning in it. So all that um, all the meaning and significance is coming from your own mind and you're mm-hmm. putting it onto these phrases and things that of the Enneagram as it's trying to help you figure out where you're at. Yeah. And I can see how this really falls into that self-help spectrum to where we're trying to learn more about ourselves or maybe even to, to grow in a way. And this can really just pull you right in because you're like, oh yes, I totally identify with this and my wing. Yeah, that's when I'm weak. And so clearly since these two things are accurate, then this is what I need to focus on to maybe achieve that promotion or better myself in some way, break that bad habit. I mean, I could really see how it is. It, it plays on our weaknesses and our desire to be better to pull us into like you were saying that this is a false worldview. Mm-hmm. 
And it, it takes advantage of the way that the mind works, which is why anybody that has gotten into the Enneagram, like we're not trying to say that you're just foolish, that you're right. dumb or anything like that. Like the most intelligent person in the world <laughs> can be sucked into this because if you're not thinking about these things, like that the statements are actually very generic. If you're not thinking about actually this can apply to a lot of different people and mm. your brain is just kind of automatically filling in things and, yeah. and bringing up memories and experiences and um, like you, it's nothing to feel ashamed over. This is why we're just kind of bringing it to light that the Neagram's not really telling you much. Yeah. You're doing a lot more work than you think you are. Yeah. Oh, that is such a good point that it's, that it's you doing a lot of work. It reminds me so much of this show. Uh, when I was a kid, there was a show on called crossing over to where there was a guy who was supposedly a psychic and he would just say out these, these ambiguous statements like, Oh, there's somebody that, that they started with a G their name started with a G. And then all these people, you know, who are desperate to reconnect with their deceased loved ones. Oh no, it's gotta be speaking to me. And Oh, he was a compassionate. Yeah. You know, he was compassionate, you know, and your brain starts filling in all those gaps because you're seeking something out. And really, it, yes. it was just a, a, the act of a charlatan. And yes. perhaps some, perhaps some of the ways that would be helpful is, you know, because websites they aren't very clear on the actual history of the enneagram. So mm -hmm. you know, not only is there these manipulation tactics, but the history, the background of where this came from, isn't very well known. So can you share or flesh out a little bit? I know that's a lot to ask of of a worldview like this, but can you give a brief overview of sort of the history of enneagram so our listeners know where this actually came from? Yes, which this is actually related to the manipulative tactics because um, making a claim of ancient origins is another tactic that people will use. Like for example, yeah. um, a a psychic might have a deck of tarot cards and they'll mm -hmm. they'll like rough them up and make them look really old, and then they'll claim that they're ancient and they because they know that people. Um, they, they think that they're tapping into some kind of ancient wisdom and mm -hmm. that helps people be more comfortable with believing what they're hearing. And so we know that the Enneagram, um, is, is not ancient, but it is claimed by Richard Rohr and some other people. They still continue to claim that it has ancient roots, but it does not. It was created, um, in the early 1900s by a mystic named George Gurdjieff. Um, and he, it had nothing to do with personality. It was this like super duper mystical spiritual tool that he claimed he could, um, that, uh, he could see all the laws of the universe were in this diagram and he used it. He made musical scales with it and dances and it was just kind of like this strange thing. Um, yeah. while in the seventies, sixties or seventies, um, uh, let's see, Oscar Achazo and Claudio Naranjo were two big New Agers. Um, Claudio Naranjo did all kinds of like, uh, he was a psychiatrist, but he did like experiments with psychedelics and, and all kinds of wow. interesting things. And they were both occultists. They mm -hmm. did spirit contact. Um, and so they were are responsible for the uh, personality types being attached to the Enneagram. And wow. so they turned it into this big personality thing. So that was in the seventies and the way that he came up with the, uh, the nine types was through automatic writing, which is a, an attempt at spirit contact where you kind of go into a trance and then you kind of, you move your hand and whatever comes out on the paper <laughs> was contact from a, from a higher 
power. So that is where we get the types of the Enneagram. You know, you, you bring up this, this claim toward ancient origins gives a sense of authority and how that's, that is a manipulation tactic. I even saw that myself when, uh, dabbling in Wicca as a teenager, that was one of the appeals that was made to me as, wait a second, you know, that Wicca is older than Christianity and therefore it has more authority and you're more true to yourself if you go after it, which actually isn't true. Wicca was started in the forties and fifties and uh, by another mystic. And so it's interesting, the occult anchors to it. So being aware of these, these claims of ancient origins. And just because something is considered old doesn't necessarily mean it's an authority uh, or that it's true. Mm-hmm. And then just, I had no idea there was so much occultic anchors to this. I mean, automatic writing, mysticism, psychedelics, which unfortunately is starting to make a comeback now uh-huh. in, in, in use. And so, yep. I mean, that, that right there shows, okay, wait a second, this is not coming from, let me see what God wants. This is, oh, let me go ahead and take mushrooms or these pills and and do this connecting with spirits, which if you're just opening yourself up to spiritual influence, more than likely that's going to end a demonic influence. And clearly that's where a lot of these anchors are. And you just, they're not listed on these websites and understandably so, because people mm-hmm. would definitely be turned away by these. Beth McCord on her website does address this issue of the origins and what she claims is that um, they have done their research and looked into it and the automatic writing Claudio Naranjo uh, was claiming to use wasn't that it was just more of stream of consciousness writing from all of his years of um, of study and research mm-hmm. but there's they didn't show any of the research that they showed to prove that. And there's absolutely no reason to, to take it that way, especially if he was like in the same interview, he's talking about spirit contact. And um, he, he was, I mean, it it just, there's no reason to believe that they give no actual evidence of that. So I wanted to put that out there in case people have heard that, um, that that's not really what they were talking about. When you use the phrase automatic writing, especially back in the seventies. That's right. what that means. Like mm-hmm. it's not really any getting around that. Yeah, no. Well, and then it perfectly answers, you know, the next question is, well, wait a second. Is this just another tiny hill that Christians are dying on unnecessarily? Are they just making too big of a deal about this? And the answer is no. Yeah. Um, I think the, the real issue with it is the worldview that's um, being snuck in mm-hmm. through the Enneagram. Um, Cause it's, not, I mean, for some people, they're going to take this thing and it's like a Buzzfeed quiz to them and it's just for fun. And then they're over it. Um, but the amount of people that have really taken this on as like a worldview lens, like I'm now going to look at the people around me and I'm going to see some personality traits. And then I'm going to say, oh, you're that way because, and then you Mm. put a whole story in your own mind about why the person is doing the thing that they're doing. Yeah. And you're building a whole view. And then you view yourself that way. Like, oh, I'm only having this sin pattern because this thing happened to me. And you're, you're building a whole story about yourself and it's based on this occultic, tool that's manipulative. 
Now, for those of you who are just entering into the realm of apologetics, theology, philosophy, a worldview is a lens through which we interpret the world. It answers every worldview from Islam, Hinduism, Christianity, answers core questions about the faith regarding what is real, what are human beings, what is sin and morality, what is truth, what is the history of humanity, and what happens after we die. These are the core worldview questions that every worldview has to answer. So we've talked about how this is a alternative worldview. This isn't a personality test. Enneagram is actually a false worldview that is standing in opposition to the Christian worldview. So let's unpack that for uh, a little bit, Alexa. What um, what does Enneagram say about human beings or people in general? So there's an assumption. So it wouldn't necessarily teach this, but it it comes, there's an assumption that comes along with it, that people are inherently good um, innocent, moral, good beings, and that any sin or, you know, mistakes or whatever you want to, you, <laughs> it depends on who, not everybody's Christian that uses the Enneagram. So, right, um, right, right. So, how, whatever term they use, like we would use sin um, that you struggle with or deal with, it's because of outside circumstances that you struggle with that. Mm. So it's not internal. It's not, um, it's not about your will being rebel in rebellion against God and about Mm. against what is good. It's what's happened to you is the reason now you struggle with things. And so you have to get back to that pure innocence, um, that pure goodness of who you truly are. That's the whole point. That's like the one of the really popular Enneagram books under a Christian publisher. It's called The Road Back to You because oh, wow. you're trying to get back to your true who you truly are. And so wow. that's an assumption that flies directly in the face of Christianity. Yeah. No, and, and and that's brilliant because yeah, we've got that humanistic view that all humans are just inherently good, and then anything bad that you've done in your life, which is a, a scapegoat to getting out of uh, the implications of sin, that's because somebody else did that to you. It's basically you're a product of your environment, and it's funny. It, it instantly brought to mind uh, a Cinderella story with Drew Barrymore, and how you know she gives this lecture based on the book Utopia, and that oh, the only reason people are thieves is because society made them so, and therefore you made them a thief and now punish them for it. And so uh, it, it, it's interesting. ever after, by the way. Oh, is that ever after? What, what is this? In the <laughs> is that a Hillary Duff? Oh man. I think that may yeah. have been Hillary. <laughs> that was a Hillary Duff movie ever after. Okay. Thank you for that correction. Um, yes. You see both of those even in that movie, but that's fascinating because now we see, okay, humans are inherently good. So basically mm-hmm. there, there is no sin. You don't actually sin. You just react to your environment. So there's really a lack of culpability, it seems like. Yes. And think about how like if you really break that down to it becomes a very secular like materialistic way of looking at the world mm-hmm. that it's, you know, you start out here and then it's cause and effect, cause and effect. And like there, it really removes moral agency from you, yeah. which I, I am seeing that pervasive. I mean, where everywhere I look. Yeah. So how do they, how do they ground uh, any sort of wrongdoing that's going on when people sin against another human being? How would Enneagram account for that? Is that because they're just being true to their number or only true to their negative manifestation of a number? Because it seems like they would really struggle to ground this objective morality. 
Oh, I, yeah. I don't know that they would even really talk about objective morality. I think they would just say, well, that, that's just you living in your false self. Um, so the, the whole um, you are liberated by getting to know your true self. I've seen it be used to make excuses for really inappropriate behavior. And it's, yeah. it can become very toxic. Well, and what's interesting is as you're describing this, what's sticking out to me is there is absolutely no need for a savior within Enneagram because really you just have to kind of that, that new age spirituality that was so popular in the early nineties is you just have to find the power within yourself and you just have to find your right path. It, I mean, is, is that what we're seeing here within Enneagram is this false view of salvation and how one is to find this salvation? Yes. Now there are certain Christian and Enneagram teachers that wouldn't say you don't need salvation, but it, they're kind of being, they're contradicting themselves as they teach the Enneagram. Um, so you kind of have to look out for that too, because a lot of them will use really, uh, it sounds really solid theological rhetoric on top of the Enneagram. But if you unpack it, they're contradicting like what the whole <laughs> the whole thing. So um, the other thing is that someone who influences pretty much all of the Christian and Neogram teachers is Richard Rohr. He is highly influential, especially in this um, Neogram world. He's very influential in the progressive Christian movement. Um, but he, he has several uh, heretical beliefs, like outright heretical beliefs. And so let me just give you a few examples. He believes Jesus is separate from the Christ that like, we shouldn't worship Jesus. Okay. That's a whole thing. <laughs> he doesn't, he will straight out tell you, we don't need salvation. We just need to realize that we're already say we've never been separated from God. Um, which goes along perfectly with what the Enneagram teaches and what we have yeah. just been talking about. Right. Yeah. And so he's a big influence. He's highly respected by all of the Enneagram teachers. That That is wild. And, and, you know, it makes sense why it would be so attractive to the progressive Christian circuit, because already they've distanced themselves from this idea of sin. It's this theology of, well, you're not sinful, you're just messy. And, and yes. so this would be truly appealing to them because not only does it provide further support for these sort of humanistic worldview, but it also kind of gives them more direction because now we don't have God and his commandments being a, a way of direction. Instead, it's just more of, I don't know, it, it almost seems to paint God as more of this life coach person. Oh, you just need oh. to find yourself and uh, try harder and you can do it. Yes. Actually, can I read this quote from Richard Rohr? Please do. Um, he says, the true self is the realigned self. Religion's main purpose okay. is to lead us to experience this self, which is who we are in God and who God is in us. It has to do with participating in a universal being that is beyond our being. Ultimately, our lives are not about us. Think about that. He says all of that and ends with ultimately our lives are not about us, which that sentence alone, we would agree with our lives are not about us. But yeah. you just said that the main purpose of religion is to lead us to experience this self. So if the whole purpose is about what we experience, then it right. is ultimately about us. Yeah. Like that's and how we react to it. Itself. 
Exactly. Wow. And, and how we, it's all about uh, our feeling of enlightenment, our experience, mm-hmm. our connection with this one, the God or whatever. It's, it is, that's, it's just yourself contradicting yourself. Um, and we would say as Christians that the way to live a life that's not about us mm-hmm. is to live for someone else. Right. So you're not focused on the self. Well, and then even just these, these experiences that you have, I mean, they can be deeply misleading as well. And again, it, it heavily yeah. depends on your perception, your personality, and your, your, even your bit of patience that day. I mean, this is a worldview that is constantly focused on yourself and how you're reacting and interpreting situations. And our reactions and our interpretations, our perceptions can be deeply flawed and wrong. And they often are. And so to now base this on that is is highly dangerous because now it can actually, this to me seems like it could really pitch you against the leading of the Holy Spirit, especially when we're talking about the fruits of the spirit, like self-control, patience, um, not coming, all of these things to where now, uh, wait a second, I've got these experiences that I'm going after, but I've got the Holy Spirit leading me this way. Well, I'm going to go after experience because that's Mm -hmm. what brings me to my aligned self. Now, one thing that we've noticed is that there are there are churches that are basing a lot of their ministries around this. Uh, I've heard, and I believe it was from you, you were telling me that there were there have been sermon series that uh, they've done it to where they break down Enneagram personalities and tie in sermon series to that. In fact, oh, you, yeah. sh- you shared one about biblical uh, biblical people in the Bible. Yeah, you can just Google what what um, Enneagram number is and then fill in a fill in the blank with a biblical character. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole analysis on them. So this is coming into the church and, and you know, the, there are some good motivations behind it. They're just trying to connect more with people, helping people understand maybe personality traits or whatever. But mm-hmm. this is also something that needs to be addressed as well. So Alexa, can you offer maybe some tactics, some questions? How, how do our listeners approach this? If they've got maybe a friend, a family member, a life group member who is heavily into Enneagram, how can they have good, fruitful conversation to point that person back toward Christ without, you know, just going in there swinging Christian hammers, you know? Yes. <laughs> Obviously start with prayer and follow the lead of the Holy Spirit because um, I have a lot of people in my life that still love the Enneagram and yeah. there's no sense in burning bridges with them just by constantly like bringing it up and, and opposing them at every turn. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, so I think definitely start with prayer. And if you are in conversation, like ask good questions mm-hmm. and just ask them, why, why do you believe this is true? Why, why do you accept that you are one number for your entire life? Like where, where does that idea come from? And why have you, why do you believe that? Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually never heard it. I've never heard a good answer for that. <laughs> I, I have heard Richard Rohr on a video say, um, you're, you are that number your entire life. I don't know why, but it's true. <laughs> so, that is so um, crazy. Can you think of like, like your three-year-old number. self? It's like, there's no way that your three-year-old self is the exact same as 20-year-old well, self. They would say you don't, you don't actually solidify into your number until you are in your upper teens or until oh. you're a grown-up. Well, at least we've got that. that. Some (laughs) teachers will tell you not to type your children. Some, not everybody. Mm. I think there's um, that orange curriculum um, has Enneagram parenting for, like, I think there's an article or something that went around. But um, 
Yeah. So, but a lot of them will say, don't type your children because they haven't gotten their, they haven't like solidified in their number yet. But anyways, um, yeah, I I think asking really good questions and, uh, send them the mama bear articles. (laughs) Yeah. I think we approach it in a, in a way that's not, um, judgmental. That's the thing too. Uh, we cannot just say, like I've seen people kind of roll their eyes and say, I would never be taken in by something like the Enneagram. People are such oh, idiots, basically. Those are but it's last words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, you may not have, but you might be fooled by something else. Yeah. Because we, uh, this is just the way that the brain works. Like we can't, we can't um, just, I, I don't know, everybody is vulnerable. Everybody's yeah. vulnerable to being taken in by things. We just we're constantly bombarded with information and messages and all mm-hmm. kinds of things. Like it's hard to keep up with everything yeah. <laughs> to think through everything. So mm-hmm. we have to train ourselves to think critically about everything that we let take up space in our minds. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it makes a good point too, because sometimes we can, when we, if, if you're one that, okay, maybe it's obvious that Enneagram is completely bunk and it's like, well, how could anybody fall for that? If you go into a conversation with that condescending attitude, mm-hmm. you are instantly going to shut down that relationship because yep. not only is the person going to feel bad, but they may even be defensive over those beliefs. They may not yet see the falsehood behind them and they may be, well, wait a second. No, because this has, uh, this is true. It's been proven by my experiences. And now you have cut off a witnessing opportunity opportunity just out of this air of arrogance. And I love how you point out, look, we're not above this. I mean, goodness, if Eve can walk with God in the garden of Eden and still be <sighs> deceived with his creation yes. around her, trust me, sweetie, you know, there's going to be something that's going to trip you up and you need somebody yeah. who, who extends that grace and says, look, this, this, I love you too much to lie to you and Mm -hmm. to speak life into that. So I I love that conversational, have some, ask some good questions, dig into what do they know about it? What do they believe about it? And then start breaking down, well, wait a second, how is this that you're like this your whole life? And well, what's the problem if you misinterpret an experience and just have those probing questions and Alexa, from the sounds of things, you're, this is not a one and done conversation. This is a relationship step that you're making. This is a relational ministry that you're starting with someone. Yeah, absolutely. So what are, no, you, you've done tons of research and we've got listeners who absolutely love books, did not get enough off their Amazon wish list for Christmas. What are some great books that you could offer to anyone who wants to dive in deeper on this issue? There's one really great resource. Um, if you, oh, it's so good. Uh, Richard Rohr and the Enneagram Secret. Okay. It's by Don and Joy Vino and Marsha Montenegro. Okay. Um, so that is like the book. It lays everything out, the whole history, the ideology behind it, and makes an apologetic um, for why the Christian worldview is true and why this is kind of bumping up against the Christian worldview. So I think that's a really great resource. Um, so as far as books, that's like the one I would send people to. There's... Um, articles on the mama bear website. There's, uh, articles on Christian answers for the new age by Mon- Marsha Montenegro has several articles on the Enneagram that have been very helpful to me. Awesome. And, uh, Dr. Jay Menenwalt, who is married to Lindsay, Menenwalt. our fellow mama bear. Yes. And he has some stuff regarding the science and, um, scientific 
basically experiments done on the Enneagram to see if it, if it holds up, if it's reliable. So check out his, his work. Fantastic. And we're going to include all of those research in our resources in our show notes as well. So real quick links, but yeah, Richard Rohr and the Enneagram secret type that into Amazon or whatever bookstore you are most uh, week to, and you'll be able to find a great resource. And of course, a mama bear, Alexa did a fantastic series on the Enneagram that really just breaks it down in a winsome, accessible way. And it'll help you have great, fruitful conversations with your friends and family. Or even if if you are someone who has gotten caught up in Enneagram, this is a great place to go to, to read these articles and just get more understanding behind it. And we just, whatever your situation is, we both encourage you just to enter it with prayer and just ask God to reveal truth to you, especially if you are one that's been caught up in Enneagram. This is not from a point of shaming at all. Instead, just go in and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to to reveal the lies that Satan has used and to help give you opportunities to grow as you pursue truth. Alexa, you got any final encouragements, thoughts uh, before we go? Sure. I think um, one one other thing you can do um, that would definitely be worth worth all of our time <laughs> is studying the role of the Holy Spirit. And um, I think that would be a good way to kind of def- defend, build that armor around yourself against things like the Enneagram and other things that, that I'm sure will pop up in the future. <laughs> um, because the Enneagram cl- makes a lot of claims that are basically supposed to be roles for the Holy yeah. Spirit. Um, so I think that would be a good study. Fantastic. Well, Alexa, thank you so much for joining us today and helping us understand more of the Enneagram. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And mamas and papa bears, grandmama bears, grandpapa bears, we thank you so much for joining us today. As always, check out our website, mamabearapologetics.com. We've got blogs, audio blogs for for you who love to listen as you're driving. We've got resources and book resources and recommendations. It is a fantastic way for you to grow deeper in the faith. We thank you so much for joining us today and we pray you have a wonderful rest of the week. This has been a Mama Bear Apologetics recording. To learn more about Mama Bear Apologetics, please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com. We hope you learned a little more about how to sift through ideas, accept the good, reject the bad, and now you can go teach your kids to do the same. Do you have any questions or maybe some ideas about future podcast episodes? Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we'll do our best. Rise up, ladies. Rise up, mama bears. We are all in this together.